What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Just Another Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Excuse the Noise. I'm Tom Craft, and joining me here, as always, is Caleb Fogarty. How we going, guys? And Jack Crawley. <laughs> How we going, guys? Mate, we're getting through it. We've gone international, boys. Did you see that? I How heard. How crazy is that? I heard. Just want to uh, shout out to uh, Justin that messaged me. Uh, he's loving your uh, Hornets talk, Jacko. Oh, really? Yeah, man. That's awesome. Mate, so... Yeah, mate. Well, I've got plenty to talk about today. What a win. What a win. Well, you, uh, how are you feeling after that L on Sunday, brother? Yeah, that was so Celtics, but I saw that coming a mile away. I missed the first quarter live, so I had to like go back and watch it later. But I caught the uh, all the good bits. And by good bits, I mean like just typical Celtics falling apart. And Evan Mobley absolutely roasting you guys. Yeah, dude. He If he isn't winning a Rookie of the Year, then I'm a monkey's uncle. Because like, <laughs> he, he is... There's no way he doesn't win Rookie of the Year. He's so good. Oh, mate. Well, we can talk about that later. What we got on today, Tomo? First of all, coming up for the first quarter, we have winners and losers of the week. Alrighty. Who wants to go first? Actually, Tom, we uh, I think uh, Jack and I actually have overlapped this week, because I know Jack, Jackie Boy here was going to go uh, Mr. Paul George for the winner of the week, but mm. um, I kind of wanted to go a bit different. I actually put the winner of the week this year was actually the Thunder and the Clippers trade for Paul George. So, mate, both teams coming out is super well. Like, There's usually a winner and a loser in these trades, and to me, both teams have come out winners. So yeah. the Thunder are losing, but they've still got some really good young players, and Paul George is like sneaky dark horse MVP this year. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he's over the last week, he's like really cemented his spot as a front runner for that award. I don't know whether he'll get there in the end, but geez, he's playing well. It's the best he's looked in a while. And, you know, if you think about the playoff P stuff, you know, last year and the, and the year before that, like... He's just completely dismissed that. It's like it never happened. He has. He's had a bit of a redemption tour, honestly. Yeah, for sure. He and he's had a really interesting career. I feel. Um, I actually kind of thought about this the other day, and I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast. So I can't really take much credit for this take, but they didn't really expand on it too much. But they pointed out he's probably the most overqualified first option, but the most underqualified second option in NBA history. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Because I was looking into it, and, like, there really isn't many other players. Like, he's been in 50-win teams as the lead guy, like, over in Indiana, and then he went over to the Thunder and really took over there, and it might have been Russell Westbrook's team, but he was second in MVP that year that Westbrook was out, and the sky's the limit in terms of what he can do, but he's also kind of limited in what he can do, so... Yeah, like, right now, he's pulling out all the tricks, and I'm loving watching it. He definitely needs that second option. Yeah, well, right now his second option is Reggie Jackson, and so yeah. <laughs> the Clippers are fun to watch. But like, are they? They're all like they're all digging in. I don't know. I personally like it. Every single time I look at the box score, if I'm watching four games on League Pass and I'm not watching the Clippers, I look at the box score and it's it's like four or five people in double digits, and then I have to put it on. Yeah, see, oh, it's. I think we've spoken about a lot on the pod that the middle teams, there, there's certain teams that are really reliant on one player, and that's where the Clippers are right now. Yeah. So I don't really know how far they're going to go. Tyron Lue, as a Cavs fan, Tyron Lue is probably like one of the most topsy-turvy coaches ever because he makes some really, really dumb decisions, but then he does some really, really good decisions. He's made this... Yeah how he's played Bledsoe for the Clippers this year, he's kind of made him as a small ball five, which has been really worked really, really well for them. And again, to label uh, Simmons' podcast, they pointed out about how 
he's how they've just stuffed Minnesota. Like, poor Minnesota. They finally looked like they were going good, but then they realized that they were going to put their center defending Josh Okoji and just double Carl Anthony Towns. And the Timberwolves haven't won a game for, ever since. Yeah. So, Did you see uh, Cat walk away when Anthony Edwards had the ball today? Mate, all I saw is Cat drop me 61 on fantasy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was really... It was, it was like nine seconds left in the shot clock and Anthony Edwards had it behind the three-point line in a triple tech position and Cat just knew he was going to shoot it. So he just started walking away and was like well behind the, th- the halfway line by the time Anthony Edwards shot. Well, mate, Anthony Edwards is MVP if you ask Jacko this year, so... Yeah, I've got some uh, news about that. I'll save it to the end. Oh, uh, you were really high on him two weeks ago. Oh, I reckon he's a strong... I'm still high on him. He's just... I just, there's someone higher, Ooh. and I need to replace the uh, the prediction. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon Anthony Edwards is a strong strong contender, for sure. Strong? I reckon. Oh. Not, not, not this year, not this year, but I reckon in the future... Definitely, he's MVP yeah. material. Absolutely. He's definitely Ooh, absolutely. MVP, MVP material, definitely. Well, so we don't go too off track, but um, talk back to that trade for the Thunder and the Clippers. So as I said, I feel PG is probably the most overqualified first option, underqualified second option. So I did a little bit of research, and I don't know about you boys, but it I looked in the last, since the 2000s, who would probably be in PG's range in terms of first option to second option, and I came down with two plays. So I'm going to say a name, and Jack, I don't want you to start crying, but uh, how do you feel about Kyrie Irving? He was a great second option for the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, not so great as a first option. Or a team leader, or a... Or a yeah. To be fair, I, yeah, in the Celtics crumblings the last few years, I have placed less of a blame on Kyrie for that. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a hard one, because Kyrie is just... I think you know what you're going to get with Kyrie, but... Yeah. Did you know like the highest win total he's gotten without LeBron was 55 wins, but he was gone for half the season? Really? Yeah, yeah. That year that they made the Eastern Conference Final, the first Celtics year, yeah, they won right. 55. Re- yeah. he, won, he only played 60 games, and he didn't play any of the playoffs as well. Yeah, and that playoff series, the Celtics are great. Yeah. They were like, yeah. That was, that was fun to watch. That was the year that everyone kept going with Tatum. He's only 19. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the he boomed me <laughs> thing dunk, right? Yeah. And I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, we're going to get Kyrie back next year. Every man and his dog yeah. was like that. But um, the next player I wanted to talk about was uh, Russell Westbrook. He's a bit of a enigma. Is that the nice way of saying it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Russell Westbrook, I found, looked into some stats as him as the number one option. So originally... Russell Westbrook, he's played 295 games in OKC without Durant. He averaged 23 points, 10 assists, 9.9 rebounds a game for those 295 games. So he's basically basically averaging a triple-double without KD. Yes, 100%. And when he did get a triple-double, they were 110 to 28. So they won a lot of the time that he got those triple-doubles. But overall, they were 144 to 102 without Durant being there. So do you guys think those stats are kind of indicative to someone that was worthy of a number one option? Or do you think he's kind of in that Paul George range where he should have been the second option, but he's just you just couldn't talk him out of being the first option? I think he's in that second option range, but if you had to pick one of the two, you'd be picking Paul George every day of the week. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, it's a bit hard because 
I as I, I I think I've been pretty open on this podcast so far that I actually do rate Russell Westbrook, but he's just some of the stuff he just does. Even right now with the Lakers, it's just yeah. dumb shit. Yeah, dumb, dumb, dumb shit. But it's like dumb shit that he would have pulled off, you know, a few years ago. I don't know whether it's like that he lost a step or he's just like not quite comfortable in the Lakers. But yeah, that sort of stuff used to fall for him, and now it's not. Who who they play the other day? It was oh, they they he took the last shot. Oh, the Miami Heat. They beat the Miami Heat, but he took the last shot of the game as a three pointer. Yeah, I've seen him do that so many times, but it's a, he loves it. It's a tied game. You're thinking if you're giving it to Russell Westbrook, tied game, ten seconds left, inbound the ball. What I did was I have him pushed all the way down to the other end of the court and literally get him running up yeah. and then pass it to him, and then the guy has to try and stop a fully a freight train. He's on the way to the basket. He's straight there. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to stop him. So I don't understand why he seems to think that I'm going to take a contested three-pointer while I've got Anthony Davis sitting on the block and I'm one of the most athletic point guards ever. I just don't understand the line of thinking sometimes. Maybe he's just trying to throw him off. They're expecting him to go to the basket, <laughs> yeah. though. They're expecting he's throwing him. himself yeah. off. He's a different beast in the playoffs. Trust me, it would be so unselfish. So unselfish. Yeah, it's it. He, he can be unselfish when he has no players guarding him. Like that picture of yeah. him at the Rockets. Does Re- LeBron remember that photo from the bubble? I don't know, man. Like, I did love re- watching Russ play, but I never felt I wanted him on my team when he was that guy. Yeah. And with Paul George, I'd, I'd love him in a heartbeat, man. Like, because he's just more of a complete player. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that obviously... Unlike Westbrook, though, PG can be put off his game quite easily. Yeah, that's fair. Whereas Russell just shoot through it. Like, oh mate, he, Russell Westbrook is the most overconfident player yeah. ever. I, yeah. I, it's like it's like the Kobe mentality, but without the without skill. The, yeah, without the the skill. Yeah, his athleticism ever. is his only edge on everyone else. That's yeah. it. Oh, in com- and, he, and his competitive nature. Oh, yeah. he's. I I don't think there's more a competitive player in the NBA right now. But our winner of the week, for me, is the Paul George and OKC trade. OKC's got SGA over there who's absolutely killing it. They really are sick of him winning games from because obviously they want to lose. Yeah, they just keep winning. How funny is that? Oh, mate, you'd be sitting there like... I'm, I've got the story coming out soon on Excuse the Noise. Make sure you check it out when it drops later this year. It's going to be about the top 25 players under 25 and SGA has just been a guy I started here and he's just raised, 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 raised it up. And he's one of my favorite young players in the NBA. I'm actually so pissed off. The Cavs chose Colin Sexton over him. Yeah. It's well, they're not the only team that did. A lot of people are going to be pissed off that they didn't pick up Shay in the, uh, in the draft. Yeah. No, like, okay. See it is. And yeah, we've got a segment coming up later about, some trade machine stuff and I, I found in my research that I was just constantly going back to OKC because I just have so many young players that I really really love that's winning them games when they don't want to win they don't want to win yeah. right now you got to think SGA yes he's a great player but is he going to be a guy that stays at the Thunder or is he going to be a guy that they go look we can get all this draft equity for this really good young player but if I'm them you got to be looking at Gideon SGA going like we, we could win something with this yeah for sure and Baisley, I like Baisley. I think, um, yeah, they've got a lot of good players that like would contribute on really good teams. I don't know. We'll get into it later. Yeah, we'll get into it later. For sure. Alrighty, that's the winner of the week. Who, Caleb? You can go first. What do you reckon about the loser of the week? 
So I've gone the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. I, I don't. I told you, boys. I'm so high on the Memphis Grizzlies. Jar Morant is probably my favorite player in the league right now. He is just this blend of Derrick Rose and Allen Iverson. You just can't not watch it. But they they lost to the Suns, and then more disappointingly, they lost to the Pelicans. How? <laughs> it's like almost impossible in the year of our mate, 2021. It's more impressive Pelicans... to lose to them than to beat them. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah, legit. The Pelicans have like Brandon Ingram. As far as I'm concerned, Brandon Ingram. Eh, eh. What do you? What? Yeah. Eh. I think he's good, but man, get like he either needs to leave New Orleans or like, I don't know, something needs to happen. That team is not going to exist in two years. No, there's no way. The, I can't see that happening. The team is going to be in Seattle or Las Vegas. It's it's yeah. not going to be like the Pelicans fans don't even like Pelicans. The uh, the one question that came out of it: Are we sure Jaron Jackson Jr. is any good? Yeah, this is a hot topic. Cool. Like, and it's pretty split from what I know. He just makes dumb fouls. He can't stay on the court and get yeah. any rhythm. He, to me, he's literally just yeah. Miles Turner. Yeah. Well, I I think the rhythm thing is like spot on. Like he has not been in rhythm all season. I do think he'll get there. I don't know if it's going to take all season. I hope not. I've got him in my fantasy team. I hope he gets he finds that rhythm. He just doesn't have it right now, but he's got all the tools to have it in the future. It's just. Dumb fouls that are keeping off the court as well. Like they're touch fouls, they're stupid screens. Yeah. They just, yeah. it's it's it comes down to as I said with Westbrook, it comes down to the thing in between your ears. I was reading a stat the other day because I was looking into Evan Mobley, and the three best college defenders of all time was Kareem, Evan Mobley, and Anthony Davis. Jaron Jackson Jr. would have been on that list if he did not foul as much as he does. Wow. Those three average like one to two fouls a game. He averaged four fouls, and it takes eight fouls to get you fouled out of a college game these days. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I don't know. I do. Be- I I have I have all the faith that he will get it together. But yeah, it's been a rough start the season for him for sure. So who's your loser of the week, Jacko? My loser of the week is the New York Knicks, but not all the New York Knicks. Oh. Just like half of them. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, I don't know whether it's, uh, like, I w- I've been trying to justify this for the last few days. I don't know whether it's, like, Tibbs trying to find a bit of, try- trying to grow something within that starting roster, but they are just not gelling at all, and it's showing. Like, the, uh, I, there was a stat I saw on Reddit from a Twitter user named StatMuse, and it was, the, it was a ranking of the plus-minus for all the Knicks players. Yeah, and the top, the, it was plus 110, Derek Rose, who was third in the NBA, plus 67, Obi Toppin, plus 67, Quickly, plus 43, Alec Burks, plus 43, Nolan's Noel. What do all those players have in common? They all come off the bench, and it's just proving what everybody's been seeing on the court. Like, the bench unit is winning in these games, not the starting unit. The starting unit, Kemba Walk is minus 89 for the season, which is the 11th worst in the NBA. Again, all these stats from StatMuse. I don't... Uh, Kemba and Evan Fournier cannot play together. Maybe for little spurts, but definitely they can't start together and they can't play huge minutes together because neither of them can defend, and Evan Fournier still has shit hair. So, <laughs> until he corrects that... Yeah, that's that's not happened. I don't know. Uh, Julius Randle's been taking shit shots. RJ Barrett's probably been... Had the best showing out of all those five starters, but like he's still minus forty-five. I don't know. That starting unit needs to be fixed, and uh, I don't know. It, it seems like it's because it's so obvious. It, it has to be like an intentional decision by Thibs to I don't know. Maybe have it so they make these mistakes early in the season, and then later on they're growing for it, and they've got a bit more. You know, they're they're gelling a bit more. 
That makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Gets him up and working together. What do you reckon if they were literally to swap it out? First, put those, the, the people coming off the bench, start them. Do you reckon that would make it a massive difference for the Knicks? I don't think they're going to start all of them, but Obi Toppin is in desperate need of more minutes. Like, he is he is so fun to watch, and he adds just, like, this X factor whenever he's on the court. I think he has MSG up going off three or four times a game. He's amazing. He's amazing to watch, and he's, like, a perfect Knicks player. And Derek Rose, awesome. Excuse the noise, staff writer, uh, Sammy Baker, is so high on Obi Toppin. As far as he can, it's he's concerned, Julius Randle can be chucked in the bin. Yeah, I'll save all the uh, Julius Randle takes for him, but I think either Evan or Kemba probably need to come off the bench, and I think Derek and Obi need to start or play ball minutes. Because like, whenever they get taken out of the game, Nick's fall apart, and it's 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 like it's so obvious. So I don't know. And Tibbs is not an idiot. Like he's one of the best defensive coaches we've had in the last twenty years. So like he knows what he's doing. He's stubborn as shit though. If he yeah, he's stubborn. If he's that that was his downfall in both uh, Chicago and Minnesota. Is that just he just isn't willing sometimes to just put it in the bin and try and try something new. So hopefully he does learn that. The loser of the week purely because of those plus minus stats. I think I think the Grizzlies can bounce back real hard. For them to be called loser of the week, maybe I don't know. I, I, I couldn't go as far as to say that when the Knicks are in this league still. You know what I mean? So I think it's gonna go to the Knicks. Jack's take, for sure. Loser of the week. Sweet. Coming into the second quarter. We're gonna talk about something a bit different and we're gonna talk about journalism in sports as a whole. Caleb, you've got a really interesting take on this. What What are your thoughts? So I think we've all... People, if you follow sport, you, everyone knows the term home, homerism. So it's essentially, as soon as you give a take that goes like pro your team, you're instantly called a homer. So here on Just Another Basketball Pod and our new website, Excuse the Noise in general, I just wanted to kind of talk about to our listeners about what you're going to expect. Because at the end of the day, I know you two, myself, the reason we got into the content game and particularly sports is because we're sports fans. And as much as I love my Cavs, I'm also their worst critic. Like if the Cavs have a shit game, you can write me off for the week. I'll tell you what I think. If you see me, just ask me what I think about Colin Sexton. Listen to the end of this podcast and you'll know exactly what I think about Colin Sexton. (laughs) I think it's just a very big thing we need to talk about in particular sports journalism because print journalism is dying. Like there is no way around that. People, yeah, people are listening to mute, uh, listening to podcasts, watching videos, and reading less. And to me, growing up, like I don't know about you boys, but I grew up Thursday, Thursday night before the footy, sit down, read the paper, look at the footy, the teams, read, read a column. And like Bill Simmons, I used to love reading Bill Simmons. He's the reason why I wanted to do a podcast in the first place because at the end of the day, we're all fans. Yeah, we're all fans, and. Coming out of university currently, I feel like that's trained out of you. Oh, absolutely. I, oh, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of it is one of the main reasons journalism in in print is dying is because it's just so fact-based. The reason, oh, the, re- yeah. the reason I listen to, say, Bill Simmons, because I, lis- I really like Bill Simmons. I love his personality. When he writes, he puts in these awesome references. He's self-deprecating. He puts just his overall style really grabs me and so i think especially with tom and i when we first decided to start excuse the noise and then jack's joined this whole situation i think it's really important to all three of us that in our writing we want our personalities to come through and i just want to know what you guys kind of feel as well about that absolutely i think 
I've always, especially going through my degree, I always thought I obviously want to give correct facts and the sort of the right information, but bringing in that sort of emotional, you know, that personal side to it, I think that really adds an edge onto any, any sort of content that comes out that you create. You have to put your own sort of heart and your own, your own views and personality to it. And I think that's what's going to sell. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's 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 finding a kind of a blend between this like unreal romantic passion that you have for like a team or area and combining it with this 21st century like fact-based hot take sort of culture. Yeah, well that's exactly it. I I want to sit here and like I'd love every podcast if I could sit down and talk about my calves and if we do a footy podcast talk about my my NRL team or we do the NFL podcast talk about my team. Mm. That's just gonna. That's just me, and that's just how I'm going to be. I can't change that. But also, all I can say is, if the Cavs lose, like that game against the Celtics the other day, they played dog shit for three quarters, and yeah, they, did. they played absolutely horrendous. And I'll be more than happy to say that. As much as I'll be ready to, I'm Andy Dufresne right now in the rain, cheering uh, with God Evan Mobley for the next six years. <laughs> so yeah. It's just a really weird balance. It, it also depends on the sort of personality that these takes are coming from. If you're like an unlikable type of person, these they do like that's when you like can bully up on the on the person being a homer and you're like, oh, like shut the fuck up. You know, it's there's, there's ways around that sort of stuff, but you can't deny that. Yeah, the passion that you get from a homer is why you follow sports in a way. Like you end up lo- like gr- you you grow attached to these these writers and these these podcasters when they're like such huge homers because. They put so much personality into what they're saying and who they support and what they're doing that, yeah, you, you just feel this, like, certain attachment to it. And I wanted to bring up my favourite article ever written from a sports journalist isn't even about sports. And it's because I followed this dude for so long and I went back through those catalogues and just kept reading everything this guy had written. Bill Simmons' article about his dog that passed away, the dudes, is my favourite article of all time. And a lot of that's got to do with the fact that I fell in love with this dude listening to his sports takes. And, like, I got to know this guy in a way through his sports takes. And so it hits harder when he tells such an emotional story about something very personal to him. Yeah, he's he's so good at that. And I think that's the big thing that I know for Tom and I that we really wanted to get the essence of is talking to people that um, we've got our friends from uni that want to join in with us and help us with this on our journey with Excuse the Noise. And every time they talk to me about what do you want from me as a writer for your for your content, for your project. And we're just like, man, just put some flavor in it. Put you in it. Like, I want to be able to read that story and know who's written it. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what we want. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, but the thing is, I feel like the main reason people are struggling with print journalism is just because there's not enough of that. Yeah. Every, everyone's, a, everyone's a carbon copy. Everyone's Everyone. a carbon copy, man. Everyone. And my favorite tutor at university, the best marks I got was for a story that I wrote about my mate's dad and I put myself and it was like a day with him and talking about his mental health journey and... Those were the best marks I got. And that was the most fun I had writing throughout my entire university experience. Mm. And yep. it just shows like for you, Jacko, the reason you've attached yourself to him is because he's put himself in there. It feels like you know Bill Simmons. The, the main reason I got into this is me and my dad going to the Newcastle Knights game, getting season tickets. I grew up in this culture where me and my old boy would just sit in the car or sit at home and just yarn about sports, talk about the Cavs, talk mm. about 
What is Andrew Johns going to do? That's where I come from, and that's why I'm never going to change. But yeah, we love that we're having all these listeners coming in. We've gone international. We've got American listeners. We've got British listeners right UK, now. Yes, baby. Yes, Woo. UK. I just want them to know, like, this is going to be a, com- a common thing that we are going to occasionally... It's it's going to be facts, don't get me wrong, but we're going to have these moments where we are going to have ourselves in the story. We are going to maybe be a little biased. And... Yeah, without doubt. And like that's why I think it's so important. So please, whoever is listening to this podcast, please can you go and go and excuse underscore the underscore noise on Instagram. Chuck us a follow. The website will be up soon. The three of us are just super, super keen to get this started, get this off the ground, give you guys all this great content, share what we love with you guys. And this, I reckon the sky's the limit for this project. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so thrilled. We're putting a face to this operation. We're getting in touch with you guys. And we're just basically literally putting all of ourselves and throwing it out to everyone to see. And we're so excited. I'm known to embellish stuff from time to time, <laughs> as you will see later on. But it comes from a good place. It's all, it's, it's all love. It's all love. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Alrighty, quick halftime break. Starting off in the third quarter. You guys would have heard about the reports circulating that Marvin Bagley is wanting to be traded... And the Kings are in talk with the Detroit Pistons. Pretty big news. What do you reckon, guys? Yeah, it was. We've been waiting for it. He's made it well known that he doesn't want to be there. Truth. They've completely butchered it. The, his manager, I think, is his agent is like a really, really big agent in this league, and they've pissed him off. So the Kings, being the Kings, they've completely blown it. Like that, no, none of these players this guy has. I think he uh, is the agent for Kevin Durant, and he's got some other really big players as well. So like they've completely yeah, butchered. Jeff Swartz. The Kings, being the Kings, man, this is why they've missed the playoffs for so long. Yeah, it's it's so Kings, but <laughs> my God, yeah. You could see this coming a mile away. I don't know. That, yeah, from the moment they took Bagley, it just never felt good, did it? No, that pick was bullshit. The reason they they skipped on Luca was bullshit. It, it's gone down so it, badly. It, I've, and, like, it's it's got nothing to do with him, almost. Bagley was a player that should have gone number two ten years ago. In today's NBA, you should have enough foresight that let's go with Luka Doncic. It never, I never understood why people were against Luka going number one that year. Never understood yeah. it. Never. The dude was getting MVP against grown men, and people are still saying they're like, "Oh, he's not got number one material." Yeah. In hindsight, it's Trey and Luca, and then there's fifty feet of shit. The quote, <laughs> Moneyball. Like, yeah, they're, they're so far ahead. Poor old Bagley. I feel I do feel bad for him. Alrighty. So with all that, what do you guys think about the current young players, and the current sort of you know people still in their rookie contract? Do you think any of them should be traded, and where do you think is going to be their best fit? I prepped everyone for this. So Colin Sexton, if you watch a Cavs game, so my thing with Colin Sexton is that he is he's a good player. I do think he is a good player. He's just not a good player for this team. He he needs to go to a place, one or two more places, to re- realize that he's not a franchise player. Like he to me, he's a sixth man. He's the guy that you put in on the bench, score boatload of buckets. Right now, look at the Jazz. They are a championship contending team and their third most important player behind Mitchell and Gobert is Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, but look, he went off the other day Exactly. Too. But look at Clarkson. It took him going from the Lakers to the Cavs to the Jazz. And now he's finally reaching his potential in the Jazz. That's where Sexton needs to go. If he comes back from this injury, because the Cavs are still winning without him, if anything is proving to him that we don't need you, it's this current form right now. So if he comes back, plays on the bench and clicks, I'm all for it. But 
to me, his best place would be the 76ers. I'm not saying he's going to get traded for Ben Simmons. This dude's a, a human battery. Like, honestly, like this dude, like he's throwing down dunks, snarling at people, smacking the floor in defense, even though he's really bad at it. But yeah, he's, he's like the little rabbit from the yeah, Jerusalem. Yeah, he's a little Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, on the go. He's on the go. Exactly. He just go, go, goes. How good would he be in Philadelphia? Like he, they would love him. I don't know how you do it. These ideas that Jack and I have come up with in terms of plays being moved, we're not going to sit here and go, this player needs to go to the Lakers where it's completely unachievable. The 76ers yeah. could get him. In all honesty, I was listening to uh, the mismatch with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon, and they were saying that they reckon he could be traded for Ben Simmons. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think the 76ers yeah. is the perfect place for him. Yeah, so I spent a lot of hours in the trade machine trying to figure this out, you know, like a, like a top GM would. <laughs> and GM Crawley, GM Jack. It's 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 tough with Philly. Also, Maxi's been playing out of his skin. That's definitely a factor. But yeah, I don't know. That I don't. I just feel like there's not a lot of value for either team in that scenario. That are gonna make sense. And a lot of these pieces that that, that would be movable in a trade like this aren't actually even available until the end of the year anyway. Like I think it's what is it December fourteenth or fifteenth? Fourteenth. Yeah, and the seventy six is really top heavy. Like their entire caps in three players so but i do have a trade i'm not going to say it's a good trade but it's a funny name i've named this trade sexy love <laughs> so yeah i think ben's a bit too expensive for sexy cleveland love. sexy love yeah sexy love I'm sure you can see where this is going but i would assume that cleveland trying to get off kick the kevin loves contract i i think if loves accepted his role on the bench it maybe flips it around yeah. for this year at least i don't think yeah it would You'd probably have to see him play first. I don't know what his health's like. But, you know, Love Sexton is definitely not the return that Maury's looking for in a Ben Simmons trade. Mm. Not even close. You know, he was talking about Jalen Brown. He asked about Jalen Brown last week. Would you take Jalen Brown for Colin Sexton and Kevin Love? Absolutely not. So if the val- if the bar's that high, then I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But I do agree with you that he's a six-man for sure. Like, he's... A really perfect sixth man. I think the question is, is he there yet? You spoke earlier about uh, Jordan Clarkson and how he had to go to like a, like a few teams before he like kind of accepted that role and he was performing well at that role. And is a top team in this league going to take a risk at on Sexton, potentially? I kind of went on the trade machine myself. And the one that I thought was really interesting, and it's probably just me being a bit over the top as a Cavs fan, but it really depends on Lillard leaving. I actually thought mm. a proper a good one because I actually think the only team that's really going to take Sexton are the really shit GMs. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I have down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Osh- Oshley from the Trailblazers has proven to be a pretty yeah. a, sli- a sneaky shit GM. And I actually think if Lillard goes, a, a good trade for the Trailblazers if they want to bottom out. Man, take Sexton, ca- take K Love and a couple picks, and send McCollum down to the, back home to Ohio, man. I actually don't think that's a horrible trade. Well, there's definitely worse ones. There's definitely worse ones. Right now, apparently, McCollum isn't even Simmons isn't even worth McCollum. So it's probably not going to happen. And it all really depends if Lillard yeah. goes. I'm out. If Lillard stays, McCollum's there. But yeah. if Lillard decides to jump ship, I really Sexton's going to help you lose, but he's also going to score a boatload, a boatload of points. Portland's yeah. a one-team town, so they can kind of get behind him. And you got Kevin Love, who's openly said that he'd love to go back to Oregon. And get a couple yeah. of picks and McCollum down. And I'll tell you what, a starting five of Garland, McCollum, Markinen, uh, Allen, and Mobley, that's actually pretty damn good. 
Yeah. Well, I don't mind it. I had um, I thought he'd be a good fit on the Bucks in a perfect world, coming off the bench. How's he but get there? In though? reality, yeah. In reality, the Bucks. I don't know. It all comes down to because the like in my mind, the Bucks would have to get let go of too many important bench pieces mm. that fill out their rotation and they're like a solid that they are proven considering they won the championship that they're like a championship quality rotation. I kept thinking in my mind, how variable is Colin Sexton's value around the league? And I wanted to ask you, as a Cavs fan, where are you valuing his contract in the future? Pre-injury, if the Cavs chucked a four-year $40 million at him, like a Steph contract, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad. Jack, you've watched Cavs games, so have you, Tom. Whenever Sexton was on, like he just doesn't pass the damn ball. Yeah, it's he just doesn't, and he has the stat where he's the worst defensive rate, has the worst defensive rating out of any NBA player for the last ten years. Mobley can do only Mobley and Allen can only do so much. They'll be clearing up for marketing. Garland's a below average defender, like he tries. And to Sexton's credit, he does try. There is no doubting he tries. It's just physically he just can't match it. So. Yeah. I reckon he leaves the Cavs. I don't see the Cavs giving him the contract unless he comes back from this injury and just decides that he's okay with being on the bench. Yeah, see, this injury's thrown it all into a loop because how much is it going to tank his value? Because I think the 4 for 40 is probably reasonably spot on, if not maybe like a bit lower on the lower end. Uh, I could see a team offering more than that, but yeah... After this injury, like who knows? I definitely couldn't would not be surprised if a team offers him a vet's minimum. I honestly mm-hmm. would not be surprised because he has n- not played that well for the Cavs this year, and yeah. he's averaging a career low. Like the dude did average twenty five last year, and he made the Nets look silly. So there's no doubt he can play yeah. well, but if it's it's just not conducive to team basketball, and that's how the Cavs are winning games right now. They're winning on defense and passing the ball, and Colin Sexton is neither of those things. Yeah. He literally comes on and the whole game just gets thrown off. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing when he scores, but when he doesn't, it's just, yeah. just, yeah. What are you doing, honestly? You know, My coming down to earth scenario for him was that prior to the tra- prior to the injury, sorry, that he would get traded at deadline. I don't think Cleveland were going to have him the entire season and he was going to go somewhere shit. New I don't know, somewhere for picks probably. Like Sexton and a pick for such and such, but I don't know. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's stuck in Cleveland for the time being now. Unfortunately, he's a bucket, and that's what the Cavs need. But yeah. that bucket needs to be coming off the bench. Alrighty, is there any other young players you guys are thinking about? Any plenty, sort of plenty, Ooh. plenty. Yeah. Alright, keep. Why don't you go? I'll bounce off you, Caleb. You, you go first. Alright, the other one. I, the other one I had was uh, James Wiseman at the Warriors. He hasn't played yet this year, um, but last year I think it became very apparent to everyone who watched him that he has dick fingers. <laughs> Dick fingers is a very sad condition where you cannot catch the damn ball. He's been in the diagnosed Warriors, hard. Oh, he's man. been diagnosed, bro. They had Kevon Looney starting over the dude. So I was thinking the best place for him would be the Raptors. I'd love to see him in the Raptors, getting in there yeah. with their development. be a lot of fun. But as a basketball fan, I would love to see him traded for Miles Turner. They, I did a bit of research if it could happen. They need a third team to do it. But yeah, it, to see Miles like escaping the young player, Miles Turner on this Warriors team would be so much fun. Shoots threes, defends, amazing. Wiseman, he's cheap. The Indiana Pacers don't like spending money. They are universally known for not spending money. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And he's not going to get paid forever. And 
yeah, I reckon the Raptors for him. But as a basketball fan, I'd love to see the Pacers try and make a trade with the Warriors for Miles Turner. Yeah, so I'm not sure if... I think Turner might be just like a bit above the pay grade that you'd be wanting to trade you know, for Turner. I think historically, like the Warriors franchise have been pretty high on Wiseman, at least publicly. You can take that in many different ways. It could just be uh, bolstering his trade value, or it could be actually supporting him. You'll never know with these sort of organizations, but... Yeah, I think the for the Toronto one, it would be fun, but I feel like Toronto has been one of those teams trending away from the centers in a way. I love that their lineup this year is they're tall, but they're not. There's no no real centers on the team in a way. Like they've got Achua and they've got Boucher, who's like not really. Achua is so good. I love Achua. Yeah, he's like completely stolen Chris's minutes. Well, more on that later. Yeah, I I I think um, if you're trading Wiseman, you want a pick you want you want a player that's gonna uh help you win this year as we've seen golden state they're like one of the best teams in the league at the moment obviously in a win now situation as of right now and you want to return probably a role player they've got enough stars i'd say they just need one or two pieces to help fill out that roster and i thought you know who's more up for a trade than okc right now oh yeah, and they've got a lot of good role players so, you know like i feel like people like dort or basley would fit so well on Golden State, it would just be a matter of how much you're willing to let OKC fuck you over, because they're going to fuck you over. Dort, Dort would be very interesting on that um, Warriors team. Yeah, Dort would be a lot of fun, I reckon. He's a good like, player. Yeah, you wouldn't be getting, obviously, the the cream of the crop at OKC and, like, Shay and Giddy, but I reckon you could... I reckon they'd be willing to talk about pretty much everybody else. Yeah, that that's actually quite realistic. Yeah. Presti's kind of gotten to that stage where he was like Danny Ainge. When he calls up, you're just sitting there, like, yeah. he's saying all this shit, and you're like, how are you fucking me right now? So- <laughs> yeah, like, he's cheeky. I've written down, I reckon down, uh, OKC would have been more value than Wiseman, probably because they're cheeky. <laughs> and I think that's the best way to put OKC at the moment. They're just, like, they're too fuck you over. The factor. Cheeky. Yeah. The thing is, too, like they know that they're not going to get anyone um, in free agency, really. So they know they have to mm. trade or they have to draft. Mm. So get they're trying to get better through smart trades. Yeah. And so Wiseman, though he's thoroughly, well, he's disappointed over in Golden State. If his situation was different and he was allowed to make mistakes, yeah. we're probably talking about him in completely yeah, differently right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's gone to a really good team, and sometimes the battle with going to a really good team is that you need to perform well when you're performing and unfortunately you know whether it be because he's young or he's injury ridden he hasn't quite been there i do still think there's value there and i think we're just gonna have to wait and see how these next few weeks play out uh you've got another player down here cam reddish yes talk me through that one so i think we're all pretty disappointed in how cam reddish has been treated over in the hawks this year yeah oh absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely he's uh i was really high on him again in the draft um he's to me, it was kind of like Paul George. He even has Paul George's personality where he doesn't really have a... He doesn't have much fuck you in him. You know what I mean? He's almost like he's asleep. Um, Paul George yep. has gotten better with that over time. To me, he's got the length, he's got the size, and he's just had that really, like, mellow style. He's averaging a career low in minutes, which just, like, you would have thought coming into the season, he was going to be... He was going to pop. But the thing is, mm. he's got uh, Herta, Bogdanovich, and who's the next one? Oh, DeAndre Hunter, who I also really like. And all yeah. three of those players make complete sense to be over him. 
I, I don't think either, neither of us, any of us would be sitting here going, he should be playing yeah. over the top of those guys. So, Like, as much as I'm high on Cam, Hawks are so stacked yeah. at that guard spot. Yeah. You, Hunter's, like, one of the best defenders when he's healthy. The only thing holding him back is availability right now. Bogdanovich is a bucket, and Kevin Herter is the white mumba, and you can't trade the white mumba. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it sucks because Cam is by no means a bad player. No, I know he's had he's had an inconsistent start to the season, I'd say, but he's he's solid for sure. Oh, so, where yeah. do you reckon? Where are you thinking that Cam would flourish? I reckon the Mavs would be a good one. The main problem, as I said, we want to be realistic here, but the Mavs mm. Mavs have no one outside of Luca. That Kristaps yeah. yeah. contract is dog shit. He's Go playing on. so bad. This, like I said a couple of weeks ago, they're still posting him up. Jason Kidd, yeah, man, like, he does not learn that man. It's ridiculous. Chris Apps has flashes. They like Chris Apps and Luca have flashes of being a good partnership, but it's that's just it. Like it's yeah. flashes. It's not. I, I can't see it working. That team is so fucked because of it. And it, like the, the annoying thing is, is that they're eight and four and they're still winning games, mm. but mm. they can't play Chris Apps at the five any like at all. No. He gets pushed yeah. around he can't rebound his defense he gets exposed but that means he has to play the four which is where the where the faster players are and he can't do that yeah. so he's, he's literally kind of almost being he's almost being roy hibbited out of the league right now <laughs> yeah absolutely but i have a uh, a counterpoint to that yeah do you think that inflates the value of people like powell and cleaver see because they have to fill that role outside like i'm really high on cleaver their other yeah. their other bigs aren't really skilled. Powell's good, but he's not a skilled big man. I feel like yeah, I would agree with that. But I think he gets the minutes to. I feel like you could flip him for someone. Powell, you could do it. You could flip Powell for someone. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. The, I feel like I feel like you'd be wanting to hang on the Cleaver, or unless you got like some ridiculous return, oh, you'd be trading Cleaver. But Cleaver's yeah. the new Ilias over man. <laughs> he's mm. dead set the new Ilias over. That dude can shoot, and he takes a shitload yeah. of charges. Yeah, I think he and I think he will get better too. So yeah, one hundred percent. So I don't know what you want to do with. I reckon he'd be awesome on the Mavs reddish. Um, he mm. Luca, we out of the way of Luca. You could just put him in the three, hit some threes, defend. Him and Tim Hardaway Jr. seem like a really fun two three pairing to me. Yeah, but it's up in the air. Do you have any uh, other spots that you could see it going? Well, just on the Dallas one first. I thought I like I I because I I think. He he would fit well on the on on the Mavericks, and I was just kind of trying to go through the Mavericks roster to try to figure out how would this happen. And he fits well with uh, Luca and Kristaps, but like the rest of the roster, is, I, you just couldn't get a return for him, man. Not for what the Hawks were asking, because like just because he's not in the in the Hawks roster doesn't mean he doesn't have any value. Mm. You go down the Mavericks roster, they got Hardaway Jr. He's a trade piece, but you want to keep but, him like, to me. I can't see the Mavericks trading that sort of guy, and he doesn't fit on the Hawks roster at all. Again, with uh, Powell and Kleber, like I don't think they fit on the Hawks roster really either. Not not in that sort of not in that rotation, not in that team. And then like the rest of them are just like too undervalued to be in that conversation. I think. I know you said this earlier, Caleb, about us not being. Let's just send them to the Lakers because that's unrealistic. <laughs> but honestly, man, like if there's. He, I would love to see that dude play around LeBron. Yeah, man. And LeBron teams' rosters are never the same at the start of the season as they are at the end of the trade deadline. A team's going to move around a lot. It's completely unpredictable. It's also dependent on whether LeBron's actually healthy or not. There's still no real return date for him. AD's a bit rocky this year too. So, like, 
If those two guys are healthy, I can go get Cam, man. That would be such a good fit. I'd love that. And there's one actual realistic one that I'd like to talk about. It'd have to be to make the contracts work. It would have to be like reddish and like some sort of contract filler. But I reckon Chris Boucher from the Raptors is like a really good fit for Atlanta. He's having like a rough year at Toronto. He's like out of the rotation pretty much because... As we said before, like a precious that you was having a fucking gun year. But like he's a good stretch five that can play four around Capella. And he's undervalued at the moment, I would say. And But he's also under the value that you'd want to be getting in return for Reddish. That's a really interesting one. And I, yeah, that's, a, that's a guy I'd be going after. Yeah, sure. I like your point though over in the Lakers. He'd be a good fun on the Lakers. And when Kent Bazemore's your best wing, come on. Yeah, dude. Come on. That Lakers team's going to be completely ripped apart, oh. but... Yeah. We've said it's the twenty. It's just, the twenty eighteen Cavs. We've said it. This isn't yeah, going to be the same team yeah. that they. This, the year they started is the way they're going. They should have taken that Buddy Hill trade. You can't. Yeah. You could have even if the Buddy Hill trade didn't work. You could have flipped him for another piece with this Westbrook contract. All you can trade it for is John Wall, Chris Stapps, Paul Zingas. I don't mind them keeping people like Avery, Avery Bradley because like he's an incredible on ball defender. Mm. But like fucking get rid of everyone else, bro. Well, you don't need him. No. So we've got one more left that you come up with, and then I've got a secret one right. that I want to float the people at the end. So yeah. I've told both you guys this one. I've been a strong advocator. All my mates have heard me in the pub talk about this one. I'm a strong believer that Zion Williamson should be traded from the Pelicans. And I have got the perfect trade candidate for them in DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns. Now, before anyone goes, oh my God, I'm turning off this podcast now, just trying to clickbait, complete bullshit, let me just explain you my line of thinking with this. First off, how fun would it be to see Zion play small ball five on that Suns team? Would be insane. The Suns are known for their medical progress in the NBA. They've always been seen as the number one franchise in terms of how they look after their players in terms of medical, even though they have a piece of shit owner. That's not the point though. And then you got the Pelicans over here, who are absolutely crap. Williamson is not interested in being there. Before the injury, they were all saying, like, he's gone. He's not. He's going to be the first rookie not to sign the five-year max out of the contract extension. DeAndre, George, DeAndre Ayton hasn't received that from the Suns. So why don't you just flip the two? Obviously, maybe picks might have to be swapped because Williamson is a very good player and averaged 25 and 9 when he's healthy. But he's also 300 kilos overweight. Oh, 300 kilos. Fuck. 300 pounds overweight. <laughs> He might as well be through You see what he looks like? Yeah, bro. Anyway. Yeah. Like, he'd be uh, living lavish up in Phoenix, man. Oh, <laughs> mate. He's living lavish in New Orleans. Getting that South awesome cuisine, he'd be all over it. But I reckon that's a sneaky little trade that would work really well for both the teams involved. Yeah. Okay. So I think with the Zion stuff, like, it's just so unpredictable. But it's also played out in history. Like, with New Orleans, like, New- Anthony Davis... There for longer, obviously. He wanted out. Everybody knew he wanted out. And then New Orleans clung into the last possible second. He's absolutely an undisputed top 15, probably even a top 10 player when he's healthy. But, yeah, I just feel like New Orleans would be crazy to trade him unless he actually requests one. Well, he might as well. Are we really sure that he's done everything but request a trade? He looks miserable. Yeah, Yeah, he's doing the James Harden, like, not work out and then show up fat as fuck. Yeah. Sort of. But, yeah, I don't know, like... It's almost, I feels to me, at least, that like New Orleans' exist, entire existence depends on like how good Zion is and whether or not he stays. I can't see them like hanging around. I think regardless, like, regardless if he's there or not, I think they're moving. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be trying as hard as possible to keep that dude. 
But I think Zion's going. Like, there's no question about that. It's tough. I think every team that doesn't have an absolute sure thing top 10 player right now should be doing whatever they can and doing all the projections to ensure that they're, like, they're competitive to get Zion when he's available. But it's also like, how how much do you want to risk your entire future on a player that's never really been healthy? Oh, dude, he's the best draft prospect, to, the best player to come out of the draft since LeBron. I'm saying that now. You can be mad at me Ooh. all you want if people disagree. I don't think I'm even mad at that. Like, like he's that he good. He is that good. But the dude just... He, that's just a lot of weight on some really yeah. bad knees and some really bad ankles. This I have all the faith in 21st century technology and, you know, the utmost top quality medical care to get him there, but... Oh, but I think the thing is, though, is that it's on him and he hasn't shown any desire yeah. to do that. I was going to say, surely yeah. he'd have, like, the, it would be available to him in New Orleans, all of that sort of, the, the, all of that help. But he's, yeah, he, again, it's his attitude, he's not taking it. I feel like it's a lot to him, as Caleb said, like, it's all his effort. And where do I think he'd put in the most effort, but to the Boston Celtics? <laughs> God, he's looking great. GM Jack. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> <laughs> no. We gotta to announce the winner for Still that. Still City Schooners, maybe. <laughs> Coming back into the fourth quarter, it's a heated game, heated potty. First of all, for the listeners who listened to the last episode, we did a draft day and we all picked a team. We had Hot Milk, Caleb's team, the Cats, bad. and the Carl Anthony Towners. <laughs> Cat with a K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cat with a K. That's what cat with a K sounds like. We we put the vote to you guys, and unfortunately, unfortunately, as the cat's owner, I have to say that the winner of the twenty twenty one top fifty NBA draft, Holt Mill. No way! Yeah, I voted the bottom. No way! <laughs> I was fair to you guys. When I voted, yeah, I, I did half. Like, I did half. We're, we don't stoop I as went, low I as went you. Right crafting. down the bottom, bro. <laughs> uh, I did seventy five percent for you guys, and I did a hundred percent for the Carlton town. There is no fucking way that we were worse than you guys, mate. That is bullshit. My mum texts me as soon as I went up, and she's like, "How do I vote for the cats? I, I can't do. I can't figure this out." <laughs> if she figured it out, we might have won. Who knows? Obviously, our listeners have good taste. Good taste. That's why they chose hot milk. Delicious. Thank you, boys. Thanks for coming. Jack uh, was uh, very lippy about how confident he was about his team. Oh, he was too confident, wasn't he? He was way too confident. I just, I just want to bring in the question of the voting process. <laughs> is that legitimate? Yes. Yes, it was. There is no way that the Carl Anthony Town is a loser with the hot milk. <laughs> Not a fucking chance, man. <laughs> this is bullshit. Oh, I think, I think like it, Donald Trump right now calling for a re-election. This is ridiculous. If we put the vote to the like the fan favorite team, just like just just like you know the league pass team, the cats would take the <laughs> personally. That's what I just think. Dude, I like the cats. I like the cats more than the hot milk. Oh, I thought the cats were good. Off. Yeah, I thought hot milk sucked, bro. What? Spoiled. He's Absolutely just spoiled. Win is illegitimate. Don't leave us out in the sun. Have the best name, but I'll give it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for everyone involved in that and the voting process. That was a lot of fun. Now, to finish off the fourth quarter, we're going to talk about the game of the week to watch. And this week, it's it's only one. It's only one. And that's two massive homers right here. And I think it's going to be the Celtics at Cavs. How are we feeling about that, boys? Those are two massive Cavs and Celtics fans. What's the verdict? We uh, got the win. We probably didn't deserve it from the first three quarters. The uh, Celtics, it was actually a wave of... Uh, 
I had an interesting emotion during that game because the Cavs were so bad, I was barely even paying attention to how bad they were because it was just pissing me off too much. But the Celtics, they actually, like, from the start to the third, I was like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. they really don't need Brown. Like, just pick, pick Tatum and run with it. And then the fourth hit, Ricky Rubio would be really good on the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that message. Oh, mate. I didn't like it. Like, I don't know why they didn't go chasing after Lonzo. I don't know. that they, they need a point guard. And Ricky Rubio would be yeah. perfect. And that would make life easier for Tatum and Brown to coexist because they got a guy that's going to pass them the ball and be able to decide, oh, you're in a rhythm. You can kind of just take a chill pill and just, like, sit back there. That's all I took from it. And also that Evan Mobley is just an absolute... Oh, like I just I can't even say how happy I am that we drafted him and the yeah. the, the Pistons and the uh, Rockets butchered those picks. I don't know why they didn't get him. Look, I don't know. When Grant Williams first hit those two threes, I was incredibly confident, and I was incredibly confident throughout the first half. But I just knew that the Celtics is gonna fuck that game <laughs> up, and I've got a couple over unders that I wanted to throw you away. Ooh in order to kind of predict the game coming up tomorrow. So, will Jason Tatum take more or less shots than 23? Oh, he'll take more. They lost and he took 22. He's going to take more. Good guess. Will Marcus Smart take over or under 11 shots? He'll be passing it to Tatum. And will Jabari Parker play over or under 10 minutes? He didn't look horrible, I thought. Jabari Parker... Was minus seventeen. Okay, so maybe it was a bit worse. Than <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. He started out. He he came out right, and he hit like two or three quick buckets. And I was like, "All right, Jabari, let's go, brother." And then yeah, he just like got left out there too long. If yes to any of the above three questions, the Celtics will lose. Yeah, well, I'm gonna say tw- yes to twenty two. I think Marcus Smart will be passing it a bit more. And I reckon Jabari Parker will get less minutes. So you could be in with a chance. If his plus minus was that bad, yeah, you've got to think they're not going to play him. Yeah. Well, I do have a prediction for the game that I like throw out to the, the rest of the Cavs years. win by 30. Um, no, it's not quite that. <laughs> it's close, but uh, I feel like Time Lord is going to be arrested for a double homicide with intent for dunking on Mobley and Jarrett <laughs> Allen. Similar to a collateral in the hallway in Terminal of Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> Dude, he that dunk just before half time was it. nuts. He, he, he come back from the future and showed me. Oh, that was just unfair. Yeah. Like, dude, he, had, he does it like every game. He's actually fucking awesome. I love Time Lord. He he just needs to learn how to slow down. That dude, the yeah. only person getting in his way is Time Lord. He could be one of the best centers in the NBA if he just like learned how to yeah. slow down. Yeah, shout out to Robert Williams and Robert Williams the second. <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyway, that's all my Celtics takes. I think the Celtics lose, but I'm rooting for them. Oh, man. So, Jack, do we want to put put something on it? Yeah, I'll put I'll back the Celtics. You know, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. For the for the for the sake of the the bet, I'll I'll put what we say? slap bet. Let's put yeah, slap bet. That's a good idea. Let's do slap that. Slap bet. All right. Slap bet. All right. God. Slap bet. Lock it in. Mate. Look, you owe me because I'm taking a slap bet against a team that we lost against the other day and without Jalen Brown. <laughs> we right. don't have Colin Sexton. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, fuck. Oh, bugger. <laughs> anyway, Time Lord's still dunking on your two best players. Oh, I'm locking that in. We'll see. That's, that's double or nothing. 
Time Lord dunks on your two players. Mate, Mobley's just going to be Matumbo. No, no, no. That will be sweet. Alrighty, guys, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us here on Just Another Basketball Pod. Brought to you by Excuse the Noise. I'm Tom Craft with Caleb Fogarty and Jack Crawley. Go follow Excuse the Noise on Instagram at excuse underscore the underscore noise for more content like this. And we'll see you next time. Over and out.